Hey everyone, welcome to episode 176 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Hello. And this is our final episode of 2021. Our final regular episode. Uh, we have the end of year one coming up fairly soon. Um, but in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, a new eShop feature. We're going to cover all the news from the Indie World Direct. Uh, and Andrew's going to talk about a bunch of games, including Loop Hero, Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, and Dungeon Munchies, which came out uh, just a couple of days ago. And with that, let's get into the latest Switch news. Okay, so the uh, new feature for the eShop, um, aside from Australia now has a, a web store, that's pretty cool. We've been waiting forever for that. It now the eShop now tracks the most top hundred most played games. Uh, Andrew, you've set up a, a Twitter account to track some of this stuff. Uh, do you want to give us the rundown on, on what it does and how it works? I just thought it would be interesting to track week to week every time it updates. Just visually having that record there of which games are on that list. Uh, I, I'm only doing the US eShop because it already takes me a good. 15 to 20 minutes to put everything together for the upload and <laughs> you know if i do every e-shop then that's going to be an hour to an hour and a half and i just don't want to do that every sunday <laughs> <laughs> so i'm only doing the us e-shop there are some interesting things on there like that awful arc survival evolved game is been on there both weeks that the that it's been out now <laughs> somehow <laughs> but i think that's the most useful thing you can use this for it's it's kind of buried in the eShop. it's in the features tab on the very bottom so you have to go through two menus to find this menu that shows the top 100 most played games but if you are interested in a multiplayer game you can look on this list and you can see what people are actually playing there are some surprising additions and some surprising omissions like minecraft is not on the list anywhere i would bet that would wow. be a top five game overwatch isn't on there either diablo 3 isn't on there diablo 2 is but it just came out so i imagine it will slip off but dead by daylight is doing very well for itself which surprised me because i think the switch port is graphically pretty lousy even though it plays the game just fine just, just some interesting interesting data points to see in there, as well as also just the new releases that appear on the list as well. And if you want mm -hmm. to follow my Twitter account, it's on Twitter at, at SwitchMost. Just some interesting data to look at there if you're interested, or if you want to look back to the beginning of the project. I've, I've only been doing it for two weeks now, and there's only been two weeks of data available. But over time, this might be something useful to somebody someday. So I'll, <laughs> I'll try to keep up with it if I don't get bored or sick of it or if I just forget. <laughs> yeah, so other than that, we also had an Indie World Direct uh, during the week. Pretty interesting, uh, good range of games overall. I kind of feel like they saved some of the best stuff for the sizzle reel, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so we'll just go through and we'll just talk a bit about uh, each game that we find interesting. First up is uh, Sea of Stars, which is a retro-style JRPG where the two main characters use the power of the sun and the moon to defeat enemies. Uh, somehow it's a messenger prequel, which is that uh, side-scrolling platformer uh, with multi-generational twists. Uh, Andrew played it a few weeks back. 
But uh, one of the big things they're announcing here was that the music's by Chrono Trigger's uh, Yasunori Mitsuda, and that's coming holiday 2022, so that's a whole whole year away. Um, yeah, it looks really neat. Um, for me, a lot of the time with indie RPGs, it's just going to depend on the length, how many hours it takes to play them, as to whether I'm going to be interested in it or not. Uh, how do we feel about this one? Uh, it's not a standout for me, unfortunately. Um the messenger link was intriguing, but the genre is just something I'm very particular about. I've wanted this game as soon as it was announced, and this is the most they've ever shown of it, and I loved every frame that I saw. <laughs> it's just a shame. There's no way in hell it's going to make that holiday 2022 release. I guarantee you, <laughs> we're not going to be playing this until 2023 at the earliest. It may even take longer than that. It would not surprise me. Oh, we'll keep an eye out on that one. Uh, next up was Alicia the oblivion of of the twin goddesses that's alicia with double i for some reason this is a 3d fantasy adventure where you play as two sisters there's a weird mix of controls where one of you plays as with physical controls the other plays as touchscreen uh that's coming in 2022 interesting the touchscreen thing puts me off entirely i'll be honest um i, I liked the visuals uh the the lean into the its game world's mythology looked kind of neat, but yeah, the the control thing and the the co-op thing way puts me off. Seems like a Wii U concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a 3DS concept. I, I didn't fully understand their pitch. Like, if you have to play it, like half and half, one part of it uh, docked with the Joy-Con and the other half handheld with the touchscreen. It says that the sisters have to work together to solve puzzles. And it's like, okay, does that mean I solve half the puzzle docked and then I take it out of the dock and I solve the other half playing handheld? Like, uh, their their pitch was not clear to me, and especially since they said that there is local co-op for it. So, like, it sounds like you could go both ways on it as well. Mm-hmm. I... I don't know. Like uh, I, I famously don't like using the touchscreen on my Switch, and that alone would keep me from playing this. But on build on top of that, just I'm not fully clear how the game actually works. I'm even less interested in it. So <laughs> yeah, like, I can't even picture it. Like one of you is holding holding it, and the other watches over their shoulder while they obscure the screen with their fingers. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, wait to see more. Uh, next up is uh, Locomotive, a murder mystery point-and-click adventure game uh, where the suspects try and solve the crime to get themselves off the hook. Uh, it looks very much like a LucasArts point-and-click game. Uh, that's coming summer 2022. I'm very interested in this one. Uh, I Point-and-click is a game, uh, a genre that I underplay. Uh, I've got a few standouts that I really enjoy. Uh, this one looks up my alley, so I, I'm I'm going to check this one out, I think. Yeah, uh, are you two point-and-click fans? Uh, not historically, but uh, this one did kind of stand out to me. Like the full voice acting and the art style and everything, the presentation looked fun, just fun. I like them in theory, but then I play them and I get stuck on a puzzle and I just get annoyed. And then <laughs> I have to look up the solution to the puzzle and then I just feel like I've just ruined the entire experience for me. I may as well just follow a guide for every subsequent puzzle solution because i already did it once and the whole experience is just tainted now (laughs) that's what always happens when i play these but (laughs) then i look back on them and i'm like oh oh i really liked that game i got big thimbleweed park vibes from this Mm -hmm. yeah i I would definitely be interested in playing this i'll probably pick it up on release day 
Uh, next up was uh, After Love EP, uh, a rhythm action game crossed with a visual novel set in, in Jakarta. Uh, really like the art style on this one. Uh, with it being a rhythm action game, though, it's kind of everything boils down to how good the music is. Look to see more of that one. Uh, Tori, I have this one pegged as one that you would like. Yeah, I was just going to say the, the art style and uh, it being like a sort of indie band thing was uh, really interesting. Not a big fan of any stories that have to do with love, though. So <laughs> hopefully it's done well. Yeah, I have some concerns about the uh, Chino character. I, I I forgot what she, her name was, but uh, they're very vague about what exactly happened to her. She's just she's passed away and her voice still lives on in the main character's head. That could be fine. You can do that right. But I'm seeing a lot of red flags in that description as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this going to be a suicide porn game? Or is like, is she actually literally haunting his head? Like, that's a story I have no interest in. <laughs> but if, it, <laughs> if it's really just emotionally examining grief, then sure, I'd be down for that. But I'd need more information about this game. Nice. Uh, next one was Dungeon Munchies, uh, which actually came out now, and we got a code for that one. Uh, Andrew, you've been playing it. Yeah, I got a code from Chris Patrick at Player2PR, so thank you to Chris and to Player2PR for providing this code. This looked really interesting in in the direct, and it was kind of the highlight, the, uh, the usual, and it's available right now kind of game. Uh, but it, it's really not on the quality of those games that they usually are. I found this a pretty <laughs> middling game so far. I haven't beat it yet with an asterisk, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, this game's a couple years old, actually. I, I see release data for it going back to at least 2019, but it's kind of your basic action platformer. It, it wants to be built like a non-linear platformer, like metroid or hollow knight but it, it's really not it's just a straight line that you follow from beginning to end and every so often the road bends back the way you came and you jump up or you jump down to the bend and you go back to the left for a little ways and then it, it, it curves back to the right after you go a little ways but the path is almost completely straight and every so often you'll find like a hidden corridor that goes for a very short distance to some hidden item and then that that is the extent of exploration you're really able to do in this game it is super super linear at least uh what i've played of it so far again i'll get to that in just a minute but <laughs> it, it does look it does have some cool systems that they showed uh in the indie direct where it's all built around cooking he plays this zombie uh who is resurrected by a chef slash necromancer spirit named simmer uh, and like when you pop out of your coffin, you are clearly a like a flesh-eating, ravenous, feral zombie. Then immediately Simmer slaps this uh, sticker on your head. Uh, there's probably a better word for it than sticker, but I, I really don't know. This looks like it might be based on, I want to say, Korean uh, culture, but I... I don't know enough about those things. Korean is my best guess. <laughs> but uh, she slaps this sticker on the zombie and it puts him like under her control and he becomes a friendly zombie who helps her to cook. And that's where all of the abilities in the game comes from is you kill monsters and you take their like cooking ingredient parts that they drop back to the various 
hubs in each level and you can cook up new abilities like you can cook up a double jump or another ability that gives you passive hit point regeneration and a bunch of other abilities that basically just increase the damage that you deal often based on what weapon you have equipped because there are different weapon categories as well that also use the cooking ingredients and you have to decide whether you want to prioritize the cooking or the weapon construction again in theory because actually I found most of the time going through the level just once got me as many ingredients as I needed to cook almost everything. There are a few things where I had to run back and hit an enemy again specifically to get its parts, but very, very few of those. And like in less than four hours, I had all of the recipes unlocked and I had almost all of them cooked up. And you can equip like up to six of them at a time. And I was concerned that if I wanted to go back to another one, I'd have to go back and get those ingredients again and cook it again and then eat it again. But no, once you cooked it once, you just toggle it on and off in the menu. So it's it's more convenient and I prefer it that way. But that's that's really that's not how eating works. <laughs> and just how the game controls the player character uh I, I compared him on Twitter to a friend who was asking me about this game. I said the player character controls like a greased rail. <laughs> Super loose and like a precision jumping, which there are a few places where you have to do precision jumping. There are a couple bosses I fought that have bullet hell sequences. And the character just doesn't move with the precision needed for that kind of gameplay, game design. And like if I press just a tiny bit on the joystick, he slides all the way to the left or right, often off the platform that I'm trying to balance on while I'm dodging something that comes my way. But the damage that most things deal, especially environmental hazards, is so low. And just by stacking up the food recipes I was taking, uh, I had my hit point regeneration so high that I still almost never died. So the difficulty really isn't there. It wasn't until I got to the almost final boss that um, I actually started dying and I had to actually stop and strategize and figure out how I was going to get past the boss and, you know, practice enough to learn all of its patterns to actually get past it. And I did beat it. And actually, this game was released in early access, it turns out. So I beat chapter one, and the game keeps going after that into chapter two. And I haven't started that yet. Maybe the game improves? I don't know. I'll have to check back in uh, in the new year in our first episode then to say if it gets better. But uh, I played the early access content slash chapter one which told a complete story not a very good one but it told a complete story with a final boss and it, it was just a pretty mediocre experience uh, not a great platformer there's a a really clever localization here of the text uh, and all the characters and all the things they talk about it's actually pretty funny they tell some pretty good jokes like at one point you're referred to as an employee, even though you're a resurrected zombie enslaved to this necromancer chef. And she says, <laughs> I care about my employees, which is why I take care of them. If you take fatal damage, you'll be resurrected at the nearest recycling bin for your convenience forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually has a pretty good sense of humor. If I could say one really positive thing about the game, it made me laugh several times. Uh, it's a very funny game, but everything else about it super linear the customization systems are really shallow and really don't require any effort to actually 
customize things you, you just you just play the game and you basically unlock everything just because there's so much loot you get and so little loot required to make things to to make the food and to craft the weapons and the challenge just isn't there but you know it, it's fine it's a it's a a low three out of five star game you know like closer to two stars than three but i give it a pass just barely <laughs> it's it, it's it's fine it's not great but it's fine nice um next up was a uh, figment to creed valley a uh, top-down adventure where music plays a massive part for this one i haven't played the first figment so i probably would never look to pick this up but the the sequel is out february 2022 and there's a demo out now uh, have either of you played the first figment no i haven't i didn't know it existed until this <laughs> i was aware of it i've seen its name in the eShop many times and uh it was on sale this past week for super deep discount like a buck 99 us so i did buy it because i thought this looked cool this actually reminded me a lot of bastion that was the game mm-hmm. i was immediately reminded of so i did grab the first one but i, I don't know when i'm gonna play it but just 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 based on the fact that with the music and you know the isometric perspective and hitting things i was like oh that looks a lot like bastion i'd play that <laughs> Uh, nice. Next up was uh, Let's Play Oink Games, a collection of uh, board games uh, based on real-life board games. Uh, it's out now as a timed exclusive. It includes four games at the moment, Deep Sea Adventure, A Fake Artist Goes to NY, or New York, uh, Startups, and Moon Adventure. And there are promising more games coming to the package soon. Uh, I've never played any of these games, so I can't speak for their quality. My preference usually is to play board games as board games, not as video games, but it, it's a cool thing, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I kind of like the video games that are like a board game, but it's a video game. Like, Armello is really like that. Like, it's it's constructed and played like a tabletop game, but graphically, it's very much a video game. You could not do that kind of game as a tabletop game and have it be practical for players. So when I look mm-hmm. at this thing, that's just you know really plain graphics i'm like eh no no thanks uh <laughs> if they had done more of a elaborate job of converting this into a video game instead of just these really simple graphics and really simple playing pieces then i'd probably be a lot more interested in it like that uh moon adventure game when i looked at that i was like that looks an awful lot like oxygen not included <laughs> but <laughs> uh but as a, a tabletop game so these are probably great games i just not interested in this format i also would rather just play them as a regular tabletop game uh, okay uh, next up was uh, endling extinction is forever uh, this is a game about climate change uh kind of visually reminded me of never alone uh although possibly the the fox in in both games <laughs> helps me make that link uh in this you play as the last mother fox on earth trying to keep her offspring alive uh, that's coming out in spring 2022. Um, I'm definitely interested in this one, and I'm looking forward to the story devastating me. Uh, humans die in video games, don't care. Animals die in video games. I'll be upset. Yeah, uh, it looks interesting. Uh, I, I imagine it's going to be, you know, like a, one of those fairly short little adventure games. has a message. Uh, that, that's kind of what I'm expecting for it. Uh, either of you two uh, looking forward to experiencing our extinction? Uh, if you're talking about the game, absolutely <laughs> not. Just the the too sad. I can't handle that. 
And if we're talking um, about real life, we're experiencing absolutely. it right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, real life. I don't. It's <laughs> happening in real time in slow motion. Uh, the game looks good. Yeah, I'm interested in this one. I, I have no comment past that. Cool. Uh, next one is uh, Oli Oli World, a uh, stylized story-focused take on the previous Oli Oli games. Uh, that's coming February 8, 2022. Um, I like the previous games. I still haven't finished the second one. Neither of you two liked it very much. The When you tried playing it last year, do you think you'd give this one a go based on its slight change in direction, or are you going to wait to see how reviews play out, see how it is difficult? different mechanically yeah i'm gonna wait i want to like it um it looks right up my alley but so did ollie ollie but just couldn't get into that one so tentatively looking forward to this one it was the controls i just i could not get on with the controls i immediately disliked them and i never learned to tolerate them and I doubt that they're going to radically reimagine the controls for this game, so I'm probably not going to be real interested in it when it launches, unless it comes out and they really did just change the Ollie button to B and the trick button to Y. <laughs> but I doubt they're going <laughs> to do that. Uh, next up, River City Girls 2, uh, a retro-styled side-scrolling beat-em-up based on the River City series from the NES. That's coming summer 2022. Haven't played the first one, haven't played any of the originals. It's not really my genre, so I'll probably give this one a pass. Uh, anyone tempted to try it? Yeah, it's not really my genre either, but I will admit that the art style and everything looks interesting. Mm-hmm. The animation looked awesome. Yeah. I really regret that I haven't played the first one yet, because I do like beat-em-up games, even though when I mm-hmm. do play them, I often end up complaining about how hard they are. Hello, uh, <laughs> what was that game called? Clear back when we first started the show, we did a, a Viking beat-em-up game that I just did not get on with at all. <laughs> Wolverblade. Wolverblade, that's right. I still occasionally think I should go back and finish Wolverblade, and then I don't do it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I regret not playing River City Girls. I, I would like to play it, and I would like to play the sequel. I think these look cool. Uh, they, they hit us with the sizzle reel, uh, so we'll go through uh, Parkosaurus, which is a cutesy take on the dinosaur park builder game. Uh, I've had this on my wish list on Steam for quite a while. Uh, that's coming out spring 2022. Uh, I'm into this idea, I think. What's the point if the dinosaurs don't eat the tourists when they escape? It's just too cute for me. I need more <laughs> violence in my dinosaur park simulators. <laughs> I think I'm just the only 90s kid out there that just doesn't like dinosaurs as much as everyone else. I don't know why. I think you might have been just a little too young for Jurassic Park (laughs) when it came out. That would be my guess. Mm -hmm. Could be. Because I know for Andy Uh, Andy and me, we were just right at that age when Jurassic Park came out. Yeah, That that film nearly shaped my career. Like, I I was going to study to be a paleontologist until I realized all the stuff I'd have to learn. (laughs) Like, (laughs) half the kids who saw Jurassic Park went to school the next week. I'm going to be a paleontologist. (laughs) Pretty much, but learning yeah. is hard. It is. And the funding um, is crap. Exactly. Next up was uh, Don't Starve Together, which I think is just a multiplayer version of Don't Starve. Yeah, I don't understand why this is a separate game from Don't Starve. I never have understood that. This game is from like 2016 versus Don't Starve, which I think is 2014. 
anyway, I, I don't understand why this isn't just a multiplayer patch for the first game, but they have always sold it as a separate game, and it continues to be sold as a separate game. <laughs> I don't get it, but it seems to be doing well. More power to you. I ain't buying this. <laughs> yeah, also not my thing. <laughs> uh, that's coming out spring 2022. Uh, next up was Chicory, a colorful tale, a uh, top-down adventure puzzler thing with... Uh, very interesting visual style that's out now i wish this was in the main show so i could tell what it was uh but i really dig the the style of it yeah the use of color was quite interesting Mm -hmm. yeah i also couldn't tell what this game really was looks like you color stuff i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah i have to look into that um next up was a baby storm which looks like a four-player action game kind of had shades of overcooked moving out i could be wrong i'm just going on the little snippet that they showed us that's coming out january 21 i don't even remember this one so i have no oh yeah no i remember it Mm. uh no no thank you (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember this one either and i'm not gonna suddenly remember it i have no clue what this game is (laughs) (laughs) think you're like running a daycare or something it looked like yeah i thought it was like a party game yeah so that shows you how how good that trailer was so next up was Grime, which is a side-scrolling platformer. Looks like a Metroidvania. Uh, the UI screams uh, Souls-like elements. Uh, so I'll at least have a cursory glance at that when it comes out in summer 2022. Uh, one I can see Andrew playing. I was kind of concerned about how slow it looked like the game ran. Like that player character was moving at a very... Uh, deliberate pace i guess is the polite mm-hmm. way of saying it it was slow <laughs> so that might drive me nuts for a uh you know exploring an entire game world at that movement speed i don't know but i've seen some people say some really positive thing about this and you know i usually like adventure platformers it takes a lot for an adventure platformer to disappoint me uh, so yeah i'll probably get this nice okay uh gerda a flame in the winter narrative adventure game kind of looks like it was set during wartime um, that's coming out next year. Looks interesting. Um, I want to see more of it, though. I want to know, you know, what it is and what, what like a, a little synopsis on what the story's about before I jump in. But yeah, I'm, I'm down for the for this one, I think. Next up was Timely, a top-down puzzler. Uh, I was getting Hitman Go vibes from this, uh, so it could al- almost be turn-based. Uh, there's a, the game and demo are available now, so... You can check that out and find out if that's something you want to do. Last in the sizzle reel was Behind the Frame, The Finest Scenery. A narrative puzzle game, I think. Uh, had like the character cooking and painting, but the mechanics almost looked like they were like Cooking Mama styled. So I don't know exactly what was going there. That's coming out in spring 2022. I dug the art style. Uh, and then they finished it off with Omori, uh, an RPG with a heavily stylized art kind of mixes hand-drawn like pencil drawings with uh, pixel art in the gameplay that's coming out spring 2022 i don't really feel they showed enough of this to make me want it and it it didn't really feel like it was an end of show style ending yeah like the uh the one more thing that they always put at the end that's just kind of become a tradition and even a running joke at this point is always seems to be reserved for something like highly anticipated or something that's really special looking like eastward was a one more thing 
Cadence of Hyrule was a one more thing. Uh, Among Us was a one more thing just in this past mm-hmm. year. And I looked at this and it was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not excited by this at all. <laughs> what a deflating way to end this indie world. Like, <laughs> I don't know why Sea of Stars wasn't the ending, to be quite honest. It, 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 they should have ended on Sea of Stars, not started mm-hmm. on it. Agree. Amari's actually been recommended to me before, so... I don't know much about it because I like to go in blind with uh, certain recommendations, but the fact that it's coming to Switch is a, a major plus. Uh, and that was it for the the Nindies stuff. Uh, so we can move on to what Andrew has been playing this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andrew, so you've been uh, playing three things. Uh, I know you're not wanting to spend a great deal of time on them at the moment, but we'll uh, we'll kick things off with Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin. Uh, I got about halfway through before I sort of got distracted and interested in other things. I did really enjoy what I played. I know Tori enjoyed it when it first launched. Um, so have you beaten it now? Yeah, I beat it. I they picked this as my weekend RPG after I finished Nina Kuni mm. 2, and I got through it through most of November. It, uh, it seems to be a very large game at first, but then uh, once you get through the first couple areas, the pacing really picks up until suddenly I was just getting through each area in a couple hours. The first couple sections of the game took me about... 10 hours to get through so I, I i just got through the second half of this game really super fast but it's a beautiful game uh it's very good graphically and it's an interesting adaptation of monster hunter like the action style game into a turn-based rpg it has all of the mechanics in there like you select mm-hmm. your weapons and all the weapon mechanics are there, but adapted to turn-based RPGs. Like if you're using the greatsword, it has the greatsword charging mechanics, but you just you use the first charge attack on one turn, then the second charge attack on your second turn. Then on the third turn, you can use uh, the the ultimate like charge ability. Like if you've played with the greatsword in Monster Hunter you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just instead of playing it in real time, you're just doing it turn by turn. And there's mm-hmm. six different weapons in the game. So like, if you're, if you've played Monster Hunter and you've just been mystified by all the weapons in it and how they work, this is actually a pretty good introduction to at least six of those weapons. There's the great sword, there's the hammer, there's the sword and shield, uh, the bow and arrow, the hunting horn, and the, the gun lance those are your weapons so like if if you want to learn how to use those weapons this might actually be a good place to start because you will learn the theory even if you won't learn the timing so i thought that was mm. interesting at least but then this the monster hunting mechanics itself like the monsties that you recruit and everything the game had me collecting eggs for these monsties for many many hours and it was a very long time like 15 to 20 hours before I was actually able to do anything with all the extra monsties I was collecting. <laughs> Cause like you have the ones you add to your party and that's fine, but you also can get like dozens and dozens more that you're supposed to keep back in your stable. And there's just nothing to do with them until you unlock the, uh, the gene splicing mechanic where each one has DNA that you can actually copy into the monsties you actually want to use in battle. And depending upon what DNA you put into them, they'll get different abilities or different passive effects. And like, if you match them up by type, then the effects are more powerful. It's an interesting system. It's just, 
I had so many of these eggs that I could do nothing with for the longest time. And then once <laughs> I did finally have that ability to do it, I found that until I got to the end game, like when you're at the end of the game and you're preparing for like the online multiplayer battles and stuff, there really actually wasn't much gene splicing I could actually do. So you might spend a lot of time in this game going into the egg dens and just getting all these eggs but there's really not a lot to do with them <laughs> so i kind of look back on a lot of the time i spent doing that which was probably a good half of my time playing this game 50 hours total getting eggs for absolutely no purpose whatsoever <laughs> and then there's the wingless rathalos who is like the centerpiece of the game Again, it was like 20 hours into the game before I even added this thing to my party, and then it just kept leaving <laughs> my party and getting batted back into my party based on events in the plot. So it's it's kind of like if you're playing Pokemon Yellow with Pikachu, only you're not allowed to use Pikachu through most of the game <laughs> for some reason. is just baffling, and, and the story just wasn't really that interesting. It's just mostly just sending you to places and then comes up with excuses for you to go places and fight fight a monster there like a like a regular monster hunter game <laughs> there's just more plot related reasons around why you need to go to this cave to fight the monsters <laughs> and all the randomly generated areas there's not really many designed actual areas in the game everything is randomly constructed by from pre-made rooms and you'll go down to a hallway and it might connect to another room or it might just end on a, a very conspicuous blank wall that is supposed to connect to a room in a different configuration of the dungeon, but doesn't in this one. And like every single dungeon in the game, it's just built of these random rooms and they're huge rooms. They can take sometimes several minutes to go around and pick up everything that's in them. But most of these rooms only have one or two monsters in them. So it's just huge space with almost no RPG battling in it. It's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. If you're used to playing like JRPGs, you will be very concerned about how little fighting you actually do in the dungeons. But then when you do get into the fights, and this will be no surprise if you have played a regular Monster Hunter game, these fights are long. Even if it's mm -hmm. a fight that's easy that you are going to win, it's still going to take you several minutes to finish it. Now, there mm. is luckily there's a, a quick win where if you are overpowered for the area and you have already beaten the monster that you're fighting, it'll just let you immediately end the battle and get all the rewards for it and all the experience points for it. So actually, I went through most of the game, again, 50 hours, just winning every fight I got to and immediately and really didn't do a lot of fighting for most of the game. <sighs> Sitting here describing it, I'm not sure why I finished this game. <laughs> it, I wasn't bored exactly, but sitting here describing it i'm like this game wasn't very good <laughs> but i uh i remember the ign review where they were saying like because the fights took so long they just ended up ignoring most of it and only focusing on the story mm -hmm. important ones which which also says it's not super difficult or super grindy um it when i got to the very last part of the game suddenly the monsters got super super strong but i think that's because i was actually at the point there where I was also fighting the monsters you're supposed to fight in the post game when you're preparing for all the multiplayer stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for most of the game, it wasn't that hard. So, but like the combat system is super interesting. I really do like the rock, paper, scissors system they've built up between the different weapons and the different monster types. It keeps a lot of things you have to keep in mind uh, when you're fighting and what 
what monsters you have out on your party and what weapons you're using because if you're not using the right ones you're going to lose fights pretty quick and just the adaptation of the actual monster hunter battles i thought was pretty interesting now that i actually have a more thorough understanding of monster hunter's weapons mechanics it's like oh i get what they're doing here this is really cool but just the level design is super boring the story is just a lot of nothing and yeah like i think unless you're really into this combat systems and you want to do the online multiplayer there's not a lot of reason to actually play this hmm. Hmm. um actually I, I realized why i stopped because pokemon came out and i play all my jrpgs on my switch Lite, and i don't <laughs> have to commute anymore so my progress is very 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 slow yeah um so that's why that is but um so next up was a uh, shovel knight pocket dungeon yeah much anticipated much anticipated i was excited to play this I don't really care for puzzle games. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I do like puzzle games. It's just when I play them, I kind of get to a point where like, I play them for an hour, and I'm like, well, I've seen everything this game is going to do now. I'm ready for something else. And I was really hoping that Shovel Knight, just that this is a Shovel Knight game, and it has Shovel Knight story elements, and it has a story and levels to work through and bosses to fight and stuff. That would draw me into the puzzle factor. I played this game for an hour and I was done and ready to move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's played a lot like a roguelite too, like uh, in the in the most pejorative form of roguelite, you know, in the way that I don't like using the word roguelite, but I'm going to use it here just for shorthand so people will instantly know what I'm talking about. Like uh, if you die, you go back to the hub and you have to start over from the first level, but any gems that you earned in your last attempt, you get to take back with you and you get to buy new upgrades. Uh, it's not permanent upgrades, unfortunately. It's just new upgrades you might f happen to find in your next visit to the pocket dungeon. Uh, and also you can buy shortcuts that you can use to immediately skip to a later level. But if you do that, you will have fewer of those upgrades to work with. So you will have to do a later level at a weaker state you would be if you just started from level one. There's also strangely very little to buy in a couple hours you can buy absolutely everything there is to buy and you're just good now and all those gems you're getting you can spend on extra costumes because there are quite a lot of characters like every knight from the shovel knight platformers is in this game and is playable after you beat them in a randomly generated boss battle and there's even more knights actually that have been added since like there's the puzzle knight himself and there's prism knight they're also in this game they might be playable i don't know i haven't unlocked them yet but i'm already done playing this game i've already archived it on my switch software because i i even tried to play it again a couple days later i was like i need to sit down and just just try and just try to get into this try to finish it and in 15 minutes i was just like i just don't feel like playing this anymore like this game is getting really good reviews people seem to really like it it's just I am not a puzzle game person most of the time. Like, I love Pycross. I loved Battle Chef Brigade. This game did not draw me in like Battle Chef Brigade did. It's just, it's a puzzle game where you, you run around on the board and you hit enemies. I didn't even describe what the game is. I just said it's a puzzle game and blew on past that. <laughs> but uh, enemies drop down from the top of the screen. They fill in the board like a, uh, kind of like a Tetris style board or a, We'll just say Tetris because it's simplest. And you play as one of the knights and you walk around the board and you hit enemies. 
uh, with your weapon, and each knight has a different weapon and a different way they attack, but Shovel Knight is the easiest. He's the one you start with, and he just hits enemies for, like, one hit point, and you have to keep hitting enemies until they die, and every time the knight hits an enemy, then the enemy also hits them back, so you have to be constantly breaking off to hit the potions that also drop down to recover your health and then once your health is back full then you can go defeat another enemy and if enemies are touching and they match then when you hit one enemy then every enemy in that chain will take damage as well and that's how you chain combos together and it just plays like a puzzle game like that except with that hit point factor and that was where I kept really getting stuck was I kept forgetting to heal where I just I got into a place where I couldn't heal, and then I died. And then I had to go back to level one and start all over. And actually, if I had to compare this to any other game in the world, I would say this game plays a lot like Crypt of the Necrodancer. Because you have to memorize <laughs> enemy patterns, and it's a very hard, like, roguelite-style game. And there's not that much to buy, quite frankly. You can buy everything there is in a couple hours, and then all you have left is just grinding against the game's difficulty to try to finish it i wanted to be into this because it's shovel knight and shovel knight is so cool but this this just did not draw me in it just felt like another puzzle game to me and after an hour i was done i was ready for something else fair enough Uh, and that something else was probably loop hero which uh also launched recently on switch i think uh, tori described it in a previous episode as kind of like a a reverse tower defense game which kind of works i think as a uh, a loose fit description i played a little bit on pc a little while back when it first launched uh, my intention was to like play it every lunch break that i hit a football manager addiction and never actually went back to it um and yeah so it's launched on switch andrew's been playing it how f- how far are you in i'm not sure how many chapters there are i think there are four but the number, like looking at the achievements and kind of trying to interpret the achievements that are marked as hidden, there might be six chapters. But just the way the UI is constructed, it looks like there's four. I don't know. I'm at the end of chapter two. I'm just right at the start of chapter three. And there's a lot of grinding in this game. And that is what has me most mm-hmm. concerned was that I'm just going to get sick of grinding uh, the expeditions and just just give up but quite the opposite of getting sick of it actually i've been kind of obsessed with this game for the past two weeks and i just i can't (laughs) stop playing it like if you go on my twitter feed like every day there's at least one time where i've tweeted like can't stop looping can't stop looping can't stop looping," (laughs) because i have just been playing the heck out of loop hero Uh, this is a really interesting game and i i really I, I belabored myself over whether I was going to include it on any of my Game of the Year selections, which I, I ultimately did not as a spoiler for our upcoming Game of the Year issue because <laughs> I hadn't beat it yet. I didn't know if I was going to turn on it. But right now, my experience would be, yeah, this is one of the best indie games of the year. Uh, and I, I've just been loving it. What it is, is you play as this hero who is the last person kind of alive in this world that has been consumed into a void. Like, have you seen the never-ending story? It's kind of like the nothing. Mm -hmm. This emptiness is spread by the Lich, who is the first boss of the game, uh, who just consumes everything and just replaces it with this black void. There's, There's nothing 
there and the hero can't even remember anything and he just wanders around this void yet he's walking somehow even though there's nothing to walk on Uh, and finally he comes across this camp where he finds some other people who also can't remember anything Uh, but he does find that if he goes out from this camp then he can kind of loop around this road that appears and he'll start remembering things then and that's how the game is played is every time he leaves the camp that's the loop that he goes on and you kind of rebuild the world using this hand of cards that you build before each it's called an expedition when you defeat monsters that appear as the hero is walking around the looping road then these cards will get added to your hand and you can use them to rebuild the world and it's kind of like the world as he remembers it but there's this constant implication that it's like a a facsimile of the world it's like a fake version of the world because nobody is remembering anything quite right and the people that he's remembering will talk about how they're empty and they can't remember anything about their past because nothing is actually real that's happening it's actually a freaky cosmic horror game uh behind the fact that it's a it's a game where you're laying down land cards basically (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah now every time you put down a land card and when you do a few other things in the game too but let's not complicate things too much for this explanation you get resources added to the hero's inventory and if you get the hero back to the camp at the beginning of the loop then you can end your expedition there or you can go on another loop to try to get more cards and try to get more resources added to his stock and you just keep doing as many loops as you can until you quit and you get to keep everything that you've all the resources you've built up or you you die and then you only get a third of the resources you built up if that happens the more loops you finish the stronger monsters get and also the more land cards you put down the more complications you're actually making for the hero as he loops like if you put down mountain cards that increases the hero's hit points by one percent for every mountain card you put down but if you put down 10 mountain cards then it adds a goblin camp to the loop to the looping road and every time the hero walks by that goblin camp he's gonna have to fight some of them and that's that's the game really is you you just build a world and you've got to kind of balance things between how strong your hero is and which cards you're putting down and the resources you want to get because when you take those resources back to camp then you can build things in camp that become permanent for every time you go out on a new expedition like you can build guard towers that will shoot at enemies that are near the camp when you get into fights with them you can build like a blacksmith shop that'll start the hero off with better equipment because there is an rpg battling system but it's an it's an auto battling system so there's really not a lot of customization you can really do there you just equip the hero as best you can and stand back and hope for the best and there's like an alchemy shop that you can use to give the hero healing potions that'll give them more hit points for battles and that's the game (laughs) i hope i've made it sound interesting because like i sit back and i'm like that sounds like a lot and it sounds like a lot of grinding and it really is but like i said these past two weeks i cannot stop playing this game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the the only real hesitation I have about it is all the grinding that I have, I've had to do to build all these things back at camp. 
Part of that grinding is self-inflicted because I didn't fully understand how to get some of the resources I was trying to get. So I stayed in chapter one a bit longer than I probably should have, but I had built absolutely everything that I could in the camp from those chapter one resources. And then I got into chapter two, which has has a different boss that you fight at the, at the end of that chapter. And that was where I started getting more resources so I could build things like the forest and like and the more things that you build back in the camp actually the more cards you can use on the loop so there's kind of a feedback between that uh i'm making this sound way too complicated now i'm getting way too in depth on it but i i kind of love this game right and i can't stop playing it it's super complicated but really simple to play at the same time and i really do hope that i come back after a hiatus having probably finished it at that point and probably be 50 to 100 hours into it at that point and just still going is like yeah i love this game because (laughs) at 20 to 30 hours i'm at now i've done over 50 expeditions and i'm at the beginning of chapter three now yeah i I love this game this is this is great so far nice that's it really for 2021 uh barring our end of year episode which will be coming shortly after this one um and we'll be on hiatus until mid-january uh we usually time our comeback with the january direct uh maybe sometimes just before um but yeah we'll see how that goes and we'll, we'll catch you next year before we go uh what are we playing during the hiatus uh tori we'll start with you um i think i'm just gonna go through the backlog and finish some games that I've bought and started and never finished just to justify those purchases <laughs> yeah got lots of those uh, Andrew? Uh, there's an adventure kind of like crafting game that's come out uh, it's called Witchwood you play as a witch who crafts potions and other alchemy things for various reasons it looks cool I like, I like crafting games so I might get into that uh, I got Another game physically, just in the past couple days, I was actually going to start it, but then I got the Dungeon Munchies code. It's called The Wild at Heart. It's supposed to be like kind of like indie Pikmin, where you play as this child who befriends like friendly monsters in the woods and does something. I don't know. It looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the new year, I'm going to start probably Divinity Original Sin 2 which mm-hmm. is one of the top-rated games on Switch, and I hope I enjoy it. it it's it's an Infinity Engine-style game, so I figure after I played Planescape earlier this year, I'm ready for these these bigger ones now. So that's the one I'm, yeah. I, I'm picking. I have both Divinity games on, on Steam, um, and I don't want to play the sequel before finishing the first, but the first one is not half as good mm. from what everyone tells me, but I, you know... That's just the way I want to play games. So. <laughs> I, I've asked uh, about that. I've been assured that the second one has the same ideas in the, some of the same locations, but it is a completely original story. I can just skip right to it. But mm-hmm. I, I do feel the same way. If I had reasonable access to that one, I probably would seek it out. But like, mm-hmm. I don't like playing games on PC, and mm-hmm. it's super expensive to get it otherwise. So I'm just like, that's eh, fine. I have Divinity 2. I'll just, I'll just play it. Uh, for me, sorry, the, the New Year's and the Christmas break is kind of where I play stuff on other platforms that I haven't had a chance to play. 
uh, during the year. So this it's going to be like Forza Horizon and and Halo Infinite for me. Um, but uh, I do want to get uh, Dying Light finished, and I want to play that DLC for the first time. So that that's something I'm going to be looking to get to while we're off. Uh, I also picked up Saints Row Four for under four bucks. In the recent sale. Yeah, there's a great sale on Saints Row 4. It's like 96% off, something ridiculous like that. Almost mm-hmm. looks like a typo, but it's in every store. It might even still be happening while this episode is live. So check it out. Yeah, I uh, I actually had enough coins for it, so I got it for free. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna look at that as well. Um, with the GTA trilogy being such a disaster that they've delayed the physical versions. So that's it for this episode uh, and for us for this year. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or indeed any other other episodes during the year, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen on Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast services. Uh, we're part of the game Podular Network, so make sure you check out some of our sister shows. Uh, that includes PlayState, uh, PlayStation Show and The Power of X, an Xbox show. You can also join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all this stuff is in our show notes. If you want to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee, or you can become a Game Podular Patreon. Details for the both of these things are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, this episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at PlayCritically, and you can read his long-form reviews over at PlayCritically.com. Tori is on twitter stew2 that's s-t-w-t-w-o and you can also follow tori's streaming adventures over on twitch.tv forward slash tori s-t-w and you can follow me on twitter at flame roast toast